E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Well, in the NFL, they're still talking about Swift, but guess what? It's not Tay-Tay. It's DeAndre. DeAndre Swift and the Philadelphia Eagles just chop apart the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. They win it 25-11, to and DeAndre Swift with another monster game. 16 for 130. Good evening, everybody. I am Mike Missanelli, and this is the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino with my cohorts tonight, Derek Gunn, Seth Joyner, and Mark Farzetta. Well, fellas, this was a simple formula tonight. Ground game, ground them up, make that defense tired, and uh, the Eagles' ferocious D just kept Tampa Bay off the board. And the Eagles got their passing game going a little bit tonight, but it was the run that led to the pass. Well, it was, it was basically a case of superior talent winning out. And that's what we talked about in the pregame show. You look at the stats across the board, and they were pretty even. But when it came down to a confrontation, it would have to come down. Who would have the superior talent? The New Eagles defensive line would have a better chance to stop their running attack than Bison. And we knew that the Eagles wide receiving core was much better than Tampa Bay. And, of course, the quarterback play, there was no comparison. And sure enough, all of that came into the factor in the game tonight. They got sloppy at times because of the weather conditions, but one team made more big plays than the other when it had to. Seth, you know, I, I know we're looking at Jalen Hurts getting off a little bit more. He got A.J. Brown involved tonight. So they, they straightened that part of it out at least. But this is like a total uh, domination where the defense just stops Tampa Bay cold. They get them to turn it over a little bit. And then DeAndre Swift goes nuts, and they control a game again with their offensive line running the football. And listen, I think we're beginning to see not only with the Eagles, but I think with a lot of teams in the National Football League, a resurgence of the running game um, because I think it's important. You know, you can control time and possession. You can control the line of scrimmage in both the run and the passing game when you're running the ball more effectively. And I just feel like, you know, listen, the Eagles ran the ball 40 times again tonight. Jalen put it up 37. I think that that's a good formula for any quarterback, for any team, you know, um, unless you're down and you have to throw the ball more than you really want to. Um but that keeps defenses at bay. It keeps defenses off balance. And I think this is their formula moving forward. This, they got the best offensive line in pro football, period. And if you've got the best line, it doesn't make any sense to have them kick dropping on every darn play. When you can dominate the line of scrimmage by running the ball, and then when you want to or when you need to throw the ball, you're, you're much more apt to, to get what you want in the passing game. Wait, Seth, you mean a running game across the league where the league has uh, basically told running backs you're not a valuable commodity Pretty much. in today's game. Pretty much. But like, And I agree with you 100% because I've seen that. But yet it is going back to a resurgence of the running game, but you're deeming the one position that basically, in a lot of cases, is the focal point of your offense as, an, as a liability instead of an asset. Well, Show me the teams across the National Football League in the last couple of weeks that have struggled. And then show me the teams that have been successful. Most of the teams who struggle, they struggle because they've tried to throw the ball too right. much. You look at Minnesota. Minnesota is 0-3. Yep. Kirk Cousins has thrown the ball for over 300 yards the last three games, okay? Yet they haven't won a game because they have no running game. They can't control 
the line of scrimmage and they can't control the clock. Mm -hmm. You know, but you look at a team like Minnesota, look at a team like um, Miami, mm -hmm. okay, 70 points. Yep. Two running backs with four combined touchdowns each. That's eight touchdowns in one game. Yep. And you're going to tell me that the run game is not important? The, the NFL has sold that the quarterback position is the most important position on the field. And I get that. But not every quarterback has the ability to be that guy yep. in your offense. Most quarterbacks in the National Football League, I would say 75 to 80% of them, need a running game. And they need a running back who can dominate in the game, especially if you got an offensive line that can get it done. Yeah, Mark Farzetta, uh, here's the thing about DeAndre Swift. We, we could see it clearly that the Eagles offensive line was blowing out, up holes. And, and he, but he looks really quick and fresh right now. And, and maybe because he's got this uh, something to prove he didn't play in game one, and maybe that makes him fresher. But he looks really quick. Uh, absolutely. And we looked at that first game of the season. He only had one carry, Mike. Well, coming into this week, and we made the point in the pregame show, he was third in the NFL in rushing coming into this week <laughs> after only getting one carry. And the Eagles, they found their sweet spot again, and this has been their sweet spot for quite some time. When in doubt, downshift and go to the run game. Now, the offense, as far as the passing game went in this particular matchup, it did show me a little bit more than what it had shown me in the first two weeks. But when you look at DeAndre Swift in this one, you saw hesitation at the line of scrimmage when you needed hesitation, when you needed your blocky, your blockers to go out there and make sure that they were clearing a path for you. He showed that hesitation. And when that hole was wide open, like that run up the middle, where he had that awesome hurdle play, it was right there for the taking, so he chose to explode to the line of scrimmage. I thought he showed it all tonight, and this is something that the Eagles, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not just a hot hand, it's who's the best running back that they have, and the best running back that they have is DeAndre Swift. All right, let's, get, let's get this out of the way quickly. All Hold right, on. go ahead, Hold Seth. on before you go. Yeah. I believe that DeAndre Swift is the perfect running back for this offense, okay? Because I, can't, I don't think you can underscore how important it is that when offensive linemen engage their blockers, that the running back is hitting the hole. But, that, but he also has the patience to say, okay, I got to wait for some of these blocks to get set up and be patient enough to wait for the blocks to, to materialize and then pick a hole. So there's times where, you know, he just hits the hole, and then there's times where he's patient enough to wait, 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 wait. Oh, there's a the hole. Boom, now hit it. The thing about him is he's decisive, and he understands the blocking schemes and how they are supposed to play out and he uses his his patience to his advantage at times, but he also uses his his uses his explosiveness and his quickness to hit the hole when it's there right now. And the offensive linemen love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean he he's playing like he's got something to prove. And you know they kind of bailed out on him in Detroit, and and he comes here and he doesn't play game one, and 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 now he's running with a with a ferocity and a purpose. Uh, so so let's get the bad stuff out of the way here. Um, it, there is it, no it, bad stuff. They won Did they play to the standard? They, no. They were one for four in the red zone. They didn't cash in. They didn't need to against this team. They dominated in other areas. And let's look at the first drive because I want to talk about this. You know, they, they, get to, they, they established a running game with Swift early in this game, and then they get a fourth and one. And the play that was called was being lit up on Twitter. If you looked at Twitter tonight, fourth and one, and they decide to go up the middle with Kenneth Gainwell. They don't 
put the three points on the board. They go for the first down. I guess that's the analytical thing to do, but they did not convert. It was a very strange play, D-Gun. Can you explain it? No, I wish I could, but, Mike, it goes back to the analytics, and that's why I've said time and time again, coaches nowadays rely too much on robotic thought more so than a feel for the game. You and I grew up in an era where the head coaches always had a certain feel for the game. These guys spend a lot of time on these computers looking at percentages. Now, sometimes it worked, but sometimes it doesn't. And the logical choice would have been take the sure three points. Plain and simple. Yeah, but if you don't even ta- if you don't take the three, I, you know, th- they chose to go for it. And I can't, I can't criticize them because they've made that play so many times. The play call, I thought, was, was weird. To, well, run, to run Gainwell up the up, middle, up the middle right. on that play. Seth, I mean. Listen, I, I, think they're, I think they're slowly but surely figuring out that DeAndre Swift is running back number one. Because I think if you give that same play to DeAndre Swift, he converts that first down. I, I think that Kenneth Gainwell is, listen, he, he played lights out last year in the playoffs. And I think that's, that gave them the assurance that we can move on from miles and pass the torch to our other guy that we drafted, okay? Because we don't want to pay $6.57 million, you know, for a running back, okay? Then they turn around and they make the trade for DeAndre, and I think they don't play him. They give him one carry in the, in the first game. They piss him off. He comes back week one, week two, and week three, and he's like, I'll show you guys that I'm the best running back that you have on this team. Now, I didn't like the play call either. I, I was okay, believe it or not, I was okay with them going yeah, for you it. you were. Because their track record has proven that mm-hmm. they've made it more times than not. But give me a better play than Kenneth Gainwell <laughs> yeah, I mean, right up the gut, that's the thing. Man. You know, D- Derek and I would have kicked the field goal. I don't know, Farsi. I, w- I would have put points on the board because I, I don't want to squander that drive, right. that first drive to put points on the board. See, I'd for, rather, for rather the, get points on the board than not. But to Seth's point, I agree, and that's why I did like the idea of them going for it. That's what they've done. And they've, they've made it in other, other instances before. The play call and the personnel are two things that had me concerned about this game because when we talk about Nick Sirianni game planning for this and we talk about a guy like Brian Johnson trying to figure it out, they've come up small in the first two weeks of the season. On that particular play, you use the word weird, I'll use the word trash. That was a trash play call. <laughs> all right. Don't mind the decision, <laughs> no, hate the play call. All right, that's pretty strong. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, they, they don't score there, but our favorite guy, Britton Covey, Gives him a lift on the next <laughs> with the big punt return that we've been waiting for for a long time, and they, that gets them on the board. Not a touchdown, but a 33-yard field goal. You know, this game in the second quarter was tied 3-3. Believe right. it or not, right. when you look at the final score, you go, I mean, the "Eagles dominated," but but it was yeah. a 3-3 game until Jalen Hurts drops back. He had like six seconds to throw on that play, and he hits Zacchaeus for the 34-yard touchdown, which is the thing that broke this thing open. I think. I thought Jalen did as well of a job as I've ever seen him staying in the pocket, staying patient, and waiting for somebody to free up. And when you look at the play again, you know, the coverage initially wasn't that bad on Zacchaeus. The DB got greedy and thought he was going to get a pit and try to undercut the throw, and the ball sails over the top of his head. But Jalen stood in there as long as you could possibly stand in there, and he could feel the pressure closing in because he took a shot just as he delivered the ball. A perfect strike to Zacchaeus Mm -hmm. to open things up. You know, we've talked about is Jalen seeing the field properly. Um, tonight, I thought he saw the field better, Much than, he better saw yeah. than the first two games, no question about it. I just didn't like the two interceptions. To me, they were uncalled for. But other than that, I mean, you can't be upset. I mean, a, a couple of times he, he just sat in the pocket. And I'm like, 
I'm, I'm to the point now where every time he drops back, you guys hear me, let it go, Jalen, let it go. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. get that ball out of your hands. Right. But those two plays, those two pass plays where he stood in and stood in and stood in, that's kind of what good quarterbacks do. Yeah. I mean, you know you're going to get hit. So if you're going to get hit, guess what? You might as well stand in there and complete the ball. Yeah, and, and, and of course the defensive play that w- was shortly after that, the rain's coming down. Uh, at Tampa Bay, and Blankenship makes a really nice read to pick off uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, and that, and that leads to another field. So they're up, they're up thirteen to three. Well, point. I like I like the coverage. Mm-hmm. I like the coverage because you know they've been eating us up in the middle of the field, and Reed made it look like you had cover two, and he never moved off his spot. And what Baker did is Baker just kind of he he assumed that it was cover two. And they robbed it late because you can see the safety rotate. He came down. The other safety rolled back to single high. And I've been waiting to see this robber coverage ever since the season started. Ever since they've been eating them up in the middle of the field, that's how you defeat them. Explain what the robber coverage is. So you got two two high safeties. And most of the time, those guys on the snap of the ball, they're going to pedal. They both got half, half, half of the field. Okay, This one's got this half. The other safety's got that half. But in the robber coverage, you kind of fake like you're going to go back, okay? And then your safeties rotate. He drops in the hole for the crosser, and the other safety drops back for single high. Single high. So if uh, the experienced quarterbacks would see that because you could see the one safety was lined up slightly deeper than the other one. That's the, that's the giveaway. But you're playing against Baker Mayfield, who is just so skittish that, you know, he saw – too high safety to begin with, and then he never really looked back at Reed again. And Reed Blankenship never moved. And he just read it the whole time. He's looking backside because Baker's looking backside. He sees the guy coming. He just creeps in and picks the ball up. I mean, it's a great play and a great call. Yeah, now that didn't really lead to anything because uh, Hertz gets intercepted uh, on, on that series, but then Fletcher Cox gets a big sack, and then Jalen Carter with a hustle play, mm. where he you know, you know he follows the play and he and he knocks it out of Rashad White's hands, and that led to the field goal that put him up thirteen three. Right, right. I mean, this, that kid made a great play on that. That's not that's a big man, to, you know, flashing down to follow that play. And listen, the Eagles. That's two more two more turnovers again yep. this week. And that's, and I, that's eight and, three games. Yeah, and, and I said. <laughs> I said in the pregame, Farzee, they come in bunches, you know, so they better enjoy them while they can. But the thing I'm encouraged about, and I'm going I'm to talk about, I want to talk about small victories tonight because the Eagles made a small victory in that the passing game somewhat got on schedule, okay? And, and the lack of being able to execute in the red zone, you know, is a problem. But let's just take this one small step at a time. Because last week we complained about the fact that the Eagles, you know, weren't passing the ball well. They passed the ball well tonight, okay, but they weren't efficient in the red zone. They'll get there because last year I believe that, you know, they were 68% in the red zone last year. So now at some point in time you got, they got to work through that. The running game's on point. The passing game is getting a little better. Now we got to get better on third downs and we got to get better, you know, in the red zone. And, and I think that'll come. By the time we get to week five or six, I anticipate if the, if the injuries don't continue to decimate us in key areas, by the time we get to week five or six, we should be hitting on all Yeah, goals. now Bradbury yeah. came back tonight 
played in the slot, wasn't that effective in the slot. So they're a little thin right now there. But you can you can see that the Eagles are better than the, just the average team. And, and Tampa Bay is an average team. And it's going to take a really good quarterback to beat that defense, right? I agree. No question about it. But I, like I said on the pregame show, I do not want to see Bradbury in the slot. He's You know, most of your slot, slot-type corners are smaller, quicker corners. You know, he's long and lean. He's, he needs to be on the outside to combat those bigger wide receivers. You know, the, the Eagles had two DBs go down again. Evans went down. Um, and I forgot who the other one was that went down also. There's two that went down tonight. And, and they're, they're going to have to find some Brown. DBs. Didn't somewhere. Brown get injured? Yeah. Sydney Brown. Yeah, Sydney Brown thigh, got banged up. So, you know, the way they're going, they're going to have to find, they're going to have to dig up some DBs from somewhere. They're already playing with a bunch of kids. And I don't know where you're going to get any veteran help because anything's out there that's out there now, you have to ask the question, why are they out there? Nobody else wanted them. Listen, next man up, okay? Every every time a guy gets hurt, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But you know what it is? It's an opportunity for somebody else to show the coach what they can do mm-hmm. and take advantage of the opportunity. And they got a lot of good young cornerbacks, you know. Those guys are just going to have to step up. Somebody, somebody's got to be willing when you understand – that you've got injuries, and then you had Sidney Brown that had to go down and play in the slot and then got injured yep. and left the game, that opens the door for somebody else to say, Coach, hey, I could be the guy that mans that position. Somebody's got to take the bull by the throat and say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm going to take this job over. If you want it bad enough, put in the effort, put in the time, put in the study, do the work during the week, so that you can be the guy. Simple. Because we're a better football team with our cornerbacks on the edges yes. than we are with Bradbury playing the spot. So, so the way it's going, it, it, depending on how bad these injuries are, we don't know yet. But now we're down to Eli Ricks and Keely Ringo. After Mario, Goodrich After Mario Goodrich was inactive was in today yeah. when we were expecting yeah. him to be the starting yeah. slot corner today. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awful it, for this team. It just has to come down to them playing a better team, and we'll, we'll get a good measure of them because they're not getting the outside rush that they got last year. No, but they're, no. get, they're getting middle push yeah. consistently. Well, I tell you what, I, I love what I saw tonight. You know, hopefully we'll see more of it. But in a third down situation, they had Nolan Smith on one side and Hassan Reddick on the other side. I don't know whether the hand is really affecting Hassan that bad. And Nolan, I saw he had, you know, the shoulder, shoulder had yeah. the shoulder sling on. So if we could get those two guys going the way that we get pushed up the middle, I mean, that defense is going to be unstoppable because you can't run on us. I mean, do you realize Tampa Bay – Ran the ball 17 times for 41 yards, 2.4 yards per. Last week, they only gave up 2.8 per. So right now, they're probably the number one run defense in the National Football League. And the way that they can rush the passer, if we can get our outside guys coming, this defense is going to be unstoppable. Yeah, and and you know what? They did hold Mike Evans down until late when he made a couple of great catches. I mean, he wasn't really a factor in the first half. Five catches for 60 yards. I'll take that against Mike all day long. But to your point, Mike, with Jalen Carter, he's a rookie that looks like he's a man amongst boys. Like, I can't remember too many rookies that have looked this dominant this early going. And they're talking about three games right now. We'll see how the entire season goes, obviously. But this guy, for a rookie, just looks like he can throw people around. It's, it's so impressive to watch. The teams in the NFL that drafted one through eight in the 2023 NFL draft will rue the day that they allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to get this kid. I'm telling you right now. Ain't a much improved Jordan Davis oh. as well. Because wow. Jordan Davis, yeah. 
I mean, I saw two men on him at the time, and he's pushing them back at the same time. Well, both of them. And Jalen Carter shooting gaps. He's, get, he's getting across the line of scrimmage before the offensive linemen who know the snap count get in their sets. Both of them. And if we it's can figure out if we, if we can figure out a way how to get Milton Williams to play at a high level, yeah. okay, or it's not beyond us to go and find another, you know, when Fletcher is done, to go out and find that fourth guy yeah. that's just a world beater. I mean, if, if you look tonight, the one thing that the Eagles didn't have to do tonight that's a plus D-gun yep, yep. is they didn't have to live in a lot of five-man fronts yes, in yes. order to stop the run. That's right. And when they do that, that makes them stronger on the back end. Yes. That's one of the things that plagued them last year. They had to play a lot of five-man front in order to stop the run, and they still gave up 121 yes. yards a game. Yep. Yeah, in a little bit, I want to address why uh, Todd Bowles didn't follow the template uh, of uh, Bill Belichick and uh, how they've been playing uh, Jalen Hurts in a second. But right now, uh, if you're looking to hire right now in the IT and engineering, manufacturing, or technology fields, you got to contact one guy. That's Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partners Staffing Solutions. And here is how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions, Find the right people. 
I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Oh, welcome back to the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live at Ocean Casino. Uh, I'm Mike Masanella. I got to tell you folks out there, I invited Taylor Swift to come and watch our postgame show tonight. And I, is she out there? She's a little busy right out? now. Is she a little busy? She's hanging she, out in Kansas she, City eating a lot of uh, KC barbecue. She, she, oh, she's still out there? She left <laughs> me hanging? Uh, in any event, the Eagles win it 25-11 to 11 tonight in Tampa Bay in the rainy conditions. John McMullen's going to join us in a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Swift, big night, the 16 for 130. Another big night for DeAndre Swift. Jalen Hurts, meanwhile, listen, it's not a spectacular game. 23-37 for 277. One touchdown. He did get picked twice. Uh, he did rush for uh, one TD. It's rating yeah, kind of a lackluster 71.6, but we're not going to complain about this. Derek Unset, Jordan Mark Farzetto on the set with us. So uh, another win, and uh, they're undefeated. And, you know, when we look at this, and, you know, it's like, it's like old hat. They're, they do things to win games, and we kind of pick it apart. But right now, they, they do what they need to do. And, guys, I was really surprised that Todd Bowles, First of all, he had his corners playing way back. And uh, he did not try to put a lot of heat on Jalen Hurts, which was a template that a couple teams did this uh, this season so far. Why, why do you think, Seth? Well, listen, <clears throat> what Bill Belichick put together and Brian Flores expounded upon, you know, that's what they do. Tampa Bay runs a completely different defense and a completely different style. And I'm pretty sure that exactly what Todd Broles did to him in the previous two games that they played, um, you know, year before last in the regular season and the playoff, the game plan was probably similar. Um, just a different set of, set of circumstances, you know. And I thought they did a very good job with, you know, 10, 11 days off, the coaching staff and Jalen Hurts are coming up, you know, with a game plan to kind of counter some of the things I believe that they were probably prepared and ready for if Todd Bowles decided to do what Belichick and Flores did, you know, but they're just, you can only do so much, you know, from week to week as far as being able to copy some of the things that other teams do. But it, it seemed like the Eagles had a game plan for it. Jalen Hurts came out passing the ball the first series. They moved the ball. He threw the ball extremely well. Then they got, kind of got bogged down a little bit. And once they got bogged down a little bit, then they started getting to the run game. Once they got to the run game, that opened everything up again. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say why they didn't. You know, common sense would say look at their game plan and do what they did. But, Mike, I'm telling you, it's, e it's easier said than done. 
when you operate in your, your, your base defense and how you do things is this way to try to change and do what everybody else is doing. Uh, Mark, the player you can bank on is presented by First Trust Bank. And I know you have somebody up your sleeve. It's, a, it's, it's an easy <laughs> it's player easy. you can bank on tonight, right? I mean, it is, but why not open two accounts with two different banks tonight? And we could talk about A.J. Brown. We could talk about DeAndre Swift, obviously. I mean, look, everyone heard what A.J. Brown had to say uh, this past week when he ta- finally addressed the, you know, the huge elephant in the room when it came to what was going on on the sidelines in the Minnesota Vikings game. He said it wasn't about targets. We all collectively said we don't believe you then you look at this particular game and it seemed to be all about the targets for aj brown tonight including in their first trip in the red second trip in the red zone it was they were trying to force the ball to him where uh, jalen hurts had a man in his face still tried to get it to aj brown he got two hands on it and couldn't bring it in but deandre swift also also not seeing the end zone tonight i gotta look at those two players i mean again you want to talk about a guy you could really bank on deandre swift in these two games has really helped carry this eagles offense and then aj brown tonight he looked again like the wide receiver we had seen throughout the vast majority of last yeah, year. Yeah, he didn't muff a touchdown catch there. That was pretty uh, weak. But uh, he was exhausted before <laughs> that play. He, he was down on the day. They, they went to him a lot. Uh, the, the weather there was very humid. It, was, it felt like 101, they said, at the start of the game. Then the rain came in and made it more thick down there in Tampa Bay. 14 right? of Jalen Hurts' 35 attempts. 14 targets to A.J. Brown. Nine mm-hmm. catches for 131 yards. Now, if you're telling me that – it wasn't about the damn target. <laughs> That's a lie. They had to pacify him, didn't they? Well, yeah. <laughs> he hates on, that, too. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that what you do with re- receivers? You do. And you sometimes, do. you know, re- quarterbacks get in trouble because they overthrow to them, and it, it'll cost them in big situations. But in this particular case, especially with Tampa Bay not having Carlton Davis back there because of the toe injury, it was easy pickings for A.J. Brown in this case. And, you know, he dropped that pick, so he got his targets tonight. He got a buck 30, you know, buck 31 receiving. Can't hear any complaints from, from A.J. Brown this week. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and, and, Seth, about the two picks that Jalen threw, uh, one, he had swift. I don't know, it was a miscommunication. It was a bad throw. And then he, he unwisely threw a bomb uh, that was up for grabs that the safety Delaney picked off down there. I don't know if that was a great choice. See, I – one of my big problems with, you know, Nick Sirianni's philosophy, and it's not really a problem. It's like we want to create explosive plays on offense, and we want to stop the defense from creating explosive plays on the other side of the ball. Hence you see in third and third and three situations, you know, cornerbacks playing, you know, eight yards off the ball, just giving up, you know, the first down. In that situation, you've got the game – under control. There's no no need to try to, you know, hit an explosive play down the field. Just keep moving the chains and run the score, run the clock out, you know? But when it's in the quarterback's mind, explosive plays, explosive plays, you haven't played well passing the ball, you know, you got to get explosive plays. What does he try to do? Try to force a ball. Now listen, that that safety made a hell of a play. To be able to get both feet down, it was a hell of a play. But my point is, is that you don't have to take a risk like that when you have the game under control and give teams life just because you're trying to get an explosive play. It's just the way that the, the, the preaching points, if you will, sometimes can get you in trouble. Uh, the score at halftime was 13-3. to The Eagles come out with a drive to start the third quarter, which was a, 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 a 
pile drive, another pile driver touchdown by Hertz at the at the. You know, this this play is getting ridiculous now. It's just it's like absurd. There is no and Tampa Bay. I thought did it, the best job of anybody trying to stop that. They got as well. They low, stopped them on third down. They, they, they had to they go for They did, and they got the favorable call there. <laughs> yeah. But they got as low as the as the Eagles' offensive line did, and made it at least a little interesting. But that pile drive touchdown uh, on that drive, uh, thirteen plays, seventy five yards, made it twenty to three, and you just knew. That Baker Mayfield, who, who, by the way, TV jinxed by putting up the graphic and he hadn't turned the ball over so far this year. Boom. Like, subsequently after that, here comes the Baker turnover. Well, you know what? This, this Eagles defense, you know, we, we've, we've broken it down. We've dissected this defense. We've chastised this defense in so many ways. But this is a defense that now has eight takeaways in three games. This is a defense that has put its offense – in some prime real estate position to score points, which particularly in the first two games have been the deciding points in games in terms of holding off the opposition. And we see the defense gelling now, especially in the trenches. And we know it's only three games in. We know it's not complete. But when you have flaws on both sides of the ball and, and you're three up and zero down, I'll take that every time. You know, look around the National Football League. Look at some of the craziness that went down yesterday in the NFL. There were nine teams that were undefeated going into to yesterday's play. Coming into tonight's game, there were only two left. Did the Cowboys lose? Oh, they, oh, they didn't just <laughs> lose. They didn't just lose. They got spanked out in Arizona. <laughs> they and did. choked. You know, all, all yeah. the fanfare about them being the best team in the NFL right now, the way they were playing, and they get spanked by, by a bad team. I don't know why. I don't know why Cowboys fans and football fans in general fall into this trap every single year. It's the same. I mean, they are like Slep Rock, okay? You know who Slep Rock is, right? No. Who's Slep Rock? You don't remember the cartoon? <laughs> this, this character, this cartoon character, he walks around, and he's got the worst luck in the world. He's got this cloud that's over top of him, and it's always <laughs> over top of him everywhere he goes, Okay. <laughs> And every once in a while, he gets struck with lightning, and it's always raining on him. That's the Dallas Cowboy. What's the name of the comic strip? I can't remember. I just remember. So Slep Rock is the character in the comic strip. I'll find out what it is. I'll look it up. Yeah, he's a character. Yeah, that's, that's Google in that. The I'm, I'm now a Slep Rock fan because I feel bad for him. <laughs> Farzy, I'm looking at Flintstones wait, wait, wait. of the Flintstones is he, variety. Is, is, is he a Flintstone? Guy? I believe it's a no, Flintstones. Be. I'm just saying, Slep Rock uh, of the Flintstone variety. It might be. Does he got a cloud over his head? That's him? Is this him? <laughs> yeah, that looks like a guy I don't want to be. <laughs> I never heard that of Slip like Rock on the Flintstones. I, I'm on. a Flintstone devotee. Uh, I love the Flintstones. <laughs> I'll just say this. He looks like a miserable person. I heard of Ann Mark Rock, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Ann Mark Rock. Ma- goggles Paisano. <laughs> right? wow. Come on, Flintstone characters. Yes. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Goggles Paisano was a race car driver. I don't remember that. You don't remember no, him? I don't remember that. Come on, man. Flintstones. Well, well, Mike, I love the Flintstones. Mike, I will say this. <laughs> as far as the Cowboys' loss goes, yes, I enjoyed that as I think anyone in Philadelphia enjoyed it. However, it makes me feel so much better about the future of this Eagles team. Uh, and I'm going to invoke what Jalen Hurts had to say this week. And he talked about playing to the standard. And I know we talked about this a little bit on pregame, Seth, but it comes down to playing to that standard. If you could play, if you don't play to the standard and you win, then you still don't play to the standard. If you play to the standard and lose, then you still lose. That's, the, that's just the end of the day. But when he talks about playing to the standard, if you're nitpicking at this game or you think we might be nitpicking at this game, 
the Eagles themselves are nitpicking at this game because they know their best football is still in front of them. They haven't played their best football yet. And teams that it does eventually get to, teams like the Cowboys, it certainly it got to them. Well, and it also got to the Saints, by the way. Now, they had an injury as well. But things pop up throughout these games throughout the week, and the Eagles somehow still magically are 3-0 and after not playing their best football yet. Yeah. He's got slip rock. He's going to show it. This, this is our audio. Yeah. That's definitely not a Flint Audio character. and visual. Can we pick it up on the camera? Uh, yeah. I, that I, is. I, I remember I, that now that he said it. Let's zero in on that, right? That's slip rock. This, we, I have no to, idea who we it need is to make this, We need to make this a meme. Just put a, a Cowboys helmet on it. <laughs> 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 All right. Let me, let's not forget about the safety that the Eagles got. The safeties are very important, especially when the other team hands you a safety. Like, remember on the one-yard wow. line, that play they ran was, was, was what, doomed what from the start. Did I not call it before the play or not? You, you did call I'm it before the play. But Nicholas Morrow was a very instinctive play to make that play. Mm-hmm. How dumb can you be to not realize, especially when you're up in a booth as a coach, we cannot penetrate this team's defense in its interior. Don't run at the heart of the defense. Quick pitch outside something. No, they run right at Jordan Davis. No, they, what they what you have to do in that situation is you have to throw the ball. You got to go play action, and you got to have a slant or a quick out, something to just give you some breathing room. You have you hadn't been able to run the ball the on this game. on this team the entire game. Um, let me see. They had 11 runs in the first half of 20 yards for 1.8 yards per carry, Jeez. and you think that you're going to run the ball exactly. on your one yard line? Are you? It yeah. just makes you wonder and, and, and what goes on in the mind. After Hertz was picked by Delaney on that play, well, they at the one yard line, they went Mayfield pick, Hertz yeah. pick. It all evened out in the end with <laughs> the Eagles with the advantage, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Rock Quarry was a great Flintstone character. Model they at the Rock Hudson, Rock, rock Quarry. <laughs> oh, you got anything on the Flintstones? <laughs> I, I, I love the Flintstones, but I don't remember all these characters. Come on, man. I, 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 I'm sorry. Bam Bam, I'm Pebbles, oh, I'm Barney. Not, no, How about Barney? Go. Let's He's get the Barney. Okay, there you it's go. All coming back. What's the dog's name? Dino. Hey, <laughs> you, he the dinosaur. Know. He didn't know. No, think about it for a second. <laughs> hey, man, look. It's late, man. What do you want from me? <laughs> I want a Fred Flintstone's rack of ribs from you. That's what I want. The Brontosaurus Burger, oh, Gus. Ooh, I, love <laughs> no, I love the rack of ribs when you put them on the side of the car and the car tipped yes. over. Yes. There you go. There you go. How about the, the elephant trunk as the, the kitchen sink? Or the shower. There you go. Yes. Or the shower. Modern <laughs> technology in the front. This is the 25-11 final. That's why we're into the Flintstones. And 3-0. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're 3-0. Oh. So, so what does it mean now? Uh, well, John McMullen coming up to, to give us the inside. He's in Tampa. Nice nice assignment for, for John McMullen. But, you know, the, the team keeps rolling along. And, uh, you know, look at the schedule right now and tell me wh- the first snag that they could possibly have. Oof. Good question. Let's see. Where are they snagging? Let's see here. Uh, they're, they're, are they, they definitely 5-0 and oh at this point? Uh, let's see. Washington got smashed by Buffalo. The Rams are going to be interesting out there. Now, the Rams are what? They're losing. They're the Rams losing. look terrible tonight. But they're only losing by seven, and they just got a big play. The, the Bengals also don't look so great tonight either. Well, I mean, your quarterback, your franchise quarterback's playing on one foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, though. Playing the Rams out there is a little bit different. 
No, the they, first, got a couple, they got the, a couple of. Uh, I'll take Jalen Carter running all over that one leg. The, the first, Jets have no quarterback. One, two, three. They're going to be six and zero. Six and zero. All right. So game six, game seven, game seven, game seven is the Miami game. That's that'll be their first test. That's going to be a game. That's a Sunday night football game in South Philly. So we're looking at six and zero here. Yeah. Yes. Likely. Quite legitimate. Yes. Legitimately. Absolutely. Six and zero. There's no legitimate about it. Okay. They are not losing to Washington, the Rams, or the Jets. Okay. Neither one of them. No matter where where you play them. They're not losing those games. The the only game that they're going to potentially have some troubles is the Miami game. Yep. And then, you know, they're at home against Dallas. By then, Dallas will have completely imploded. Yeah. You know? Well, and, by the time they get to the Jets, Joe Flacco will be the starting quarterback. They can't go on like this. Speaking of the Jets, how bad are you when – did you see the rumor that came out? Well, not rumor, but it was on out on X slash Twitter. I still refuse to call it X. <laughs> that supposedly Carson Wentz's representation and Matt Ryan's representation called the Jets yeah. and offer their services, and the Jets declined. At this point, did you see what Zach Wilson looked like yesterday? Yeah, he doesn't belong in the NFL. He should not be in the NFL. No, Who he, in the world evaluated him as a top 10 hey, he draft had, pick? He had one, one great drive, though. That, that was, touchdown <laughs> drive. That was a week ago. No, no, no. <laughs> that, was, that was a week ago. No, that was yesterday. Oh, wait, I'm pretty sure it was when he was in college. Yeah, he they, can't play. I'm telling you, he had a good drive. See, I watch football. Y'all was you was barbecuing yesterday. <laughs> I did. Mike, you I was reading. To. You was reading news somewhere. As far as he was taking care of the kids. Okay? <laughs> I, I was. I was. I was, I was watching was I football. Hey, look, man. <laughs> you was reading some news story somewhere. I, like I, embra- I no, embraced my Sunday afternoon. I was watching the Flintstones. That's what I was doing. <laughs> hey, look, hey, look, man, yesterday, I had, I had nine adults, six kids. In my house yesterday, you're right. I was grilling. I yesterday. know you were. You were. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. But I did Zach, peek in Zach, some football. Zach Wilson had one great drive, and there was hope there for one second that the Jets would come back and win that game, and then it all vanishes. No, fast I, as it, it, look. It, I, it, I, it I, I, in all honesty, Seth, I know the drive you're talking about. It raised my eyebrows, and yes. I said that's not going to last. But he still had it. Hey, look. It's the in last, there. the last great it's throw. <laughs> briefly, the last great throw Zach Wilson had this season was in Dallas when he hit Garrett Wilson on a slant and took it to the house. Outside of that, all four of us sitting here could throw a football better than Zach Joe Namath came out of the woodwork to rip the guy for crying out loud. (laughs) And Joe Uh, Namath is what, 93 years old now? He is. All right, coming up on on the uh, Pondle Hockey Eagles postgame show, Kayla Santiago joins us with Kayla's Diamond Debate. Yes, we are live at his Eagles postgame show. They win 25-11 to tonight, and we're back after this. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pond Lee Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Hello. And welcome to the Diamond Debate with Liam and Hillary in the heart of Montgomeryville, PA at Mark's Jewelers. So what do you got for us today, Hillary? Well, Liam, to kick off this football season, there's no deflate gate here. There's a three carat oval diamond. It's earth mined and it's completely natural. What do you think of that? Now that's stunning. I mean, millions of years under the earth's crust for something so small and beautiful. 
You think she's small? Well, I mean, do you have anything bigger? Of course I've got bigger. I mean, bigger's always better. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got an Earth Mine Natural 5-carat oval diamond. Is that big enough for you? Wow. 5 carats? That's a carat a finger. That's something right there. I can't imagine anybody saying no to one of these. No, I guess not. Do you have anything smaller, maybe? Smaller is subtle and definitely beautiful still. And it's still fabulous and Earth Mine oval diamond set in a solitaire setting. This comes in 14 karat yellow and white, 18 karat yellow, white, and platinum. Any way you want it, what do you think? I mean, any way you want it, I can't imagine it any better, any different way. That's right. So come down and see us here at Mark's Jewelers where love grows here. Every day of the week, except Mondays and Sundays. That's right, we're closed. <laughs> My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. At Drytech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give Drytech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Hooters, the perfect pair. Go for the beers, go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to the Pilot Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. I am Mike Missanelli. In case you're joining us and you didn't see the game, which, uh, you know, it's impossible if you're an Eagles fan. The Eagles win it 25-11 to tonight. DeAndre Swift for 130 yards, 16 carries. Jalen Hurts, 277, touchdown, two picks, did rush for a touchdown. You know, if you look at this game, uh, the, the Eagles... Uh, it looked like a lackluster performance. They went, They had 478 total yards tonight, 201 on the ground, and Kenneth Gainwell added 43 in this game, and 277 in the air. A.J. Brown, 9-131, and he was targeted 14 times tonight. He had a long of 28. So uh, A.J., who wasn't happy with last week's result, has to be happy uh, with this week's result. John McMullen will join us in a little bit. Right now it is time to bring in Kayla Santiago, 
on the Pine Lock Eagles postgame show with Kayla's Diamond Debate, and she's wearing some diamonds. I am, guys, from Mark Jewelers. I don't know if you can see. I got some nice bling here today. It feels just as nice as the Eagles being 3-0 and right now, so I do have to be very, very happy here today. But there's a lot that went into this game. Philadelphia 3-0, and and some people might say they're still not even playing their best football yet, but some things have been very, very good the offensive line and that defensive line. And we saw that on display here tonight. A little bit of Jalen Carter, a little bit of Jordan Davis, and everybody else in between. Seth, I'm going to start with you. Your biggest reason right now that Philadelphia is 3-0. Um, I think you'd have to say that the, the defenses play, and particularly the defensive line because they've been dominant. Um, they started off the first two games of the season. They gave up a lot of yards through the air. Um, but... They only gave up what? Uh, what's the numbers here? I'm looking at. Um, they only gave up a total of 100 and 146 yards passing tonight. So that's going to help them statistically. Um, they only gave up 41 yards on the ground. Um, they are giving up somewhere in the neighborhood of less than 70 yards per per game, I believe. So when you look at how dominant they've been on the defensive side of the ball, I just feel like you know. They have carried this offense, so to speak. They're averaging almost two, two and a half turnovers per game. That's huge. Um, I just, you know, when you look at the overall team play, they have been the most consistent unit out of the three phases um, of the football team. Now, the offense came on tonight a little more, but the defense still carried the day, in my opinion. I want to focus on Jalen Carter a little bit, too, because this kid is a rookie and he already looks like a monster out there. Just what should we expect from him as the season continues to go on? Is he going to be one of the best defensive players possibly in the league this season or is it too early to tell? Well, I think he's going to be the top, you know, defensive rookie this year. There's no doubt about that. Um, You know, there's a lot of great players out there that are more experienced and more established. But as time goes on, um, you know, the more and more he plays, and they've got enough, they've got enough in the rotation. Uh, Tui Pelotu had his first sack tonight. Right. You know, then you got Milton Williams. You've got enough guys in the rotation that he doesn't have to play so many, so many downs. You know that he gets worn out. Uh, this is going to be new for him. In college, they play what 12, 13 games in a season. He's got to be, he's got to have enough gas in the tank to go 17 plus. Um, so I think the more he plays, the better he's going to get, the more experience he's going to get. Um, but he's definitely, you know, in the conversation for one of the better defensive tackles in the National Football League in his rookie year. No, the perfect combination for the Eagles tonight, Kayla. They, they held Tampa Bay to 174 total yards tonight, mm-hmm. 4.9 yards per pass attempt. Now, that's paltry. And they dominated the line of scrimmage, 39 minutes time possession at mm-hmm. 21 for Tampa Bay, and you saw the Tampa Bay defense was just ground up by the end. 27 first downs to 12, D-Gun. I look at it like this. this. This is a defense that is still trying to figure out its identity. Because you have so many new parts integrated in this defense. But they, they have a good measure of success as they continue to evolve. You know, and the coordinators and the defensive coaches are still experimenting with a lot of what they want to do with certain personnel and downs and distance. And when you have the young players like the Blankenships, like the Jalen Carters, 
who are playing the way they're playing now, it makes a lot of decisions that much easier, depending on your personnel matchups and the down and distance as well. Can you imagine when this defense actually gels and formulates an identity? You know, we, we see samples of it now. It's a defense that's going to be stout in the trenches, and it's going to be an opportunistic defense. I mean, this defense, you know, say what you want to say about it, this defense is directly responsible for some of the success of this offense in terms of shortening the field and giving them an opportunity. Even though the offense has been jagged, it is still an explosive unit with a lot of depth and versatile talent on it. So the defense in general has not coagulated to the point we expect to see it by week seven, week eight. But, man, the sample sizes we're seeing right now are so promising of what's to come. The defense has also scored eight points this yes. year right. yes. themselves. Did you just say coagulated? Yes, I did. <laughs> Big word there. That's very impressive. That's my word for the month. That's all I got. My, hurt, my head's hurting right you now. Impress the defense me. hasn't even coagulated yet. You want to impress me, spell it. What's that? <laughs> All right, what's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> we can't move on here. You, we talk about this defensive front, but I want to go into that linebacking core and even the secondary as well. We talked about James Bradbury playing at Nickelback today. You guys, some of you weren't a fan of it. Some of you liked it and understood it, but it's very, very young, but they're playing their part right now. And Do you think this is a Sean Desai move? Do you feel like he's giving the confidence to these guys? Why is it working so well knowing that they're not the most experienced groups right now in the league? Well, I, I think that I'm impressed the way that Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham have played. Everyone was worried when um, N'Kobe Dean went down. But these guys have played some great football in his absence. And, and the more experience that they get, the better. Now, they want N'Kobe Dean to be the guy. Right. He's got to get healthy and come back and kind of work himself back into shape and the whole deal, you know, because he is – you know, kind of the captain of, of, of the defense from the linebacker perspective. But these guys have played some pretty darn good good football, you know, the last two weeks. Um, as far as the other young guys are concerned, he's playing these guys out of necessity, you know. And I talked about it in the, in the first segment. You know, every time a guy gets injured, it's unfortunate, but it's also an opportunity for somebody else to step up and show the rest of the coaching staff what they can do to garner some more playing time. The better they play, the more the coaches can begin to um, can begin to trust them. So that over time, even when the other guys get back, you know they're going to get some reps here or there because now you can start to rest players. And when guys do get nicked up, you can confidently insert another player, knowing that he can get the job done done because he's shown you that he could do it do it when when you had to play him. You know, you know, it's amazing. We, we, we don't even notice who, this, who the linebackers are anymore, right? Which, no, which really. I think is a good thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We, we're, not, we're not noticing who they're playing back there. Listen, I'll tell you what. You know, when you don't hear, when you don't hear the linebacker's name, that's a good, good thing. It's a good night. But, you know, I mean, they're not putting up great numbers. Like, between the two of them, they only had like, like seven, mm -hmm. six, seven tackles, tackles. tonight. Right. But Zach Morrow – made the tackle in the end zone for the safety, you know. And they're not – they're not they're handling what they need to handle in the middle of the field. You know, the last two games, it hasn't been that bad across the middle of the field. So, you know, while the, while the numbers might not indicate that they're doing a whole lot, you know, sometimes it's not really about the numbers. Sometimes it's driven by how you play and where you make the quarterback look away from opposed to where he really wants to go with the football. Oh, I, I think the front four 
are definitely making the back seven's job a lot easier. Absolutely. With the pressure they've been putting on, you know, and, and, uh, and forcing quarterbacks to be extremely uncomfortable. They're not allowing quarterbacks to get in the rhythm, whether it's a three, five, or seven-step drop. The quarterbacks are now being, matter of fact, they're taking one, two, three, and moving to the side. So they're not setting their feet, and they have to come off a primary target a lot sooner than they want to, looking for second and thirdary uh, targets. And by the time they realize that, pressure's converging on. Degon, the only way that you're going to have success against this defensive line is you have to throw the ball like Mac Jones did. If you're not playing, you know, the quick game, yep. if you're not three-step and you're not getting that ball out of your hands right now, you don't have the time to wait for explosive plays down the field right. to develop. You just don't. You know, unless the Eagles are in a blitz situation and you and the quarterback pre-snap reads it and they get the protection set in a way where they can pick it up, they're not going to have you know, more than two or three seconds to get the ball down the field just because of the pass rush. What offensive line in the NFL do you think can compete with the rotation and these guys like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis? Because right now you see these two guys in the first three games and you say, well, yeah, the rest of the league definitely has something to worry about. Is there any games that we look towards to that you think they're going to have a problem or this pressure will continue and make it easier for the guys that are less experienced and getting more reps? I, the, the two games, deep gone on the schedule that worries me is, you know, from that from the standpoint of what you're saying, the only two is the Miami offensive line okay. because they have so many weapons that they can go to the quick game. Okay. And you know, San Francisco's offensive line because of how they how they run their offense. They're not a okay. big strike offense. They're quick yeah. and they want to run the football. So that's going to be a great test to see how the Eagles run defense stands up to their, you know, to Christian McCaffrey in that running game. But also, you know, Brock Purdy is not looking to throw the ball down the field. Yeah. They want to systematically, you know, the short game. And, and the Cowboys – to a certain extent, yeah, they got work yesterday, but they also had three starting offensive yeah. linemen that were they out were very yesterday. Good offensive line. Yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple of other offensive lines that can give them a problem. Kansas City and Buffalo's offensive lines can give them a problem because of their style also. They're not an overpowering, but they, they, they know how to stonewall you just enough for their quarterbacks to do what they want to do. And if you watch them play, they move you to a position to allow a quarterback to get to the opposite position right. to, do, to have a better lane. Buffalo and Kansas, I think Buffalo, Kansas City's offense and Buffalo's offenses, offensive lines don't get enough credit for what they do to make their, their quarterbacks the stars that they are. But I tell you, it, it, the Buffalo game is going to be an interesting game because, you know, Buffalo can't and don't even try to run the football. No. no. You know, mm -hmm. so that plays right into the Eagles' hands from the standpoint of, you know, okay, we, we've got to – a great team, a great front that can rush the passer. So now we can get out after Josh Allen. You know, if we can keep him corralled and keep him in the pocket, we've got some chances. You know, if we can get the, the coverage to match on the back end. Kansas City, I can't wait to see, you know, us play them on a field that will allow us to rush the passer to the capacity that we can rush it. You all know what I'm talking about. I'm not even going to go there again, but you know what I mean. Okay, the teams, and I'm so I'm not really worried about those two. The two that really concern me, like I said, is Miami, and and Forty um, Niners and Forty Niners. Yeah. That to me, those are going to be the two biggest tests. And talking about the offensive line, Deacon, you said those offensive lines might be a problem. I think right now what's getting overshadowed, maybe not, but for the Eagles, just their offensive line, DeAndre Swift is doing his thing out there, but that offensive line has really been creating 
for those guys. A lot of protection for Jalen Hurts when he needs to get the ball out as well. You look at this line right now. You look at Dickerson, who just got injured in this game. You look at Johnson as well. A little bit of those false starts that don't get called. Is this something that is really going to be the successor for the Eagles as the season goes on? And does this cause Nick Sirianni to say, DeAndre Swift, you're the guy. You're going to get the ball way more than Kenny Gainwell right now. We saw that tonight. Well, this offensive line is basically picked up from where it left off last year. Mm -hmm. You know, my concern about the offensive line the first two games was that it was inconsistent in the pass blocking. I thought they did a much better job in the pass blocking aspect now. But in terms of moving people off the ball, look at those gaping holes that DeAndre Swift was running through tonight. Yeah. I mean, running backs would drool at the prospect. I mean, I want to I, I see the yardage that he had before he was touched after he crossed the line of scrimmage. You know, there was the times he wasn't touched until six, seven yards down the field. You know, that that's a statement. When the offensive line does that consistently, especially to a defensive front that takes pride in being a stout defensive front, they basically just steamroll Tampa Bay's defensive front in this game. And that's going to be, you know, for Jalen to have success, that offensive line has to be what we expect it to be. You know, it has to be stout in the run game to give the defense something to think about and soften them up. And it also has to be better consistently as it was tonight in the pass blocking technique. So Jalen has the time to stand back there and wait for one of his receivers to get open down. You know what I love about this game tonight is that, you know, we went into this game, the Eagles went into this game tonight, and everybody was worried that we weren't going to be able to run the ball. Okay, because we're playing against the best run defense in the National Football League through two weeks. And we went in there and just gave them the business, right. you know. Right. So what does that tell you? That tells you that you can pretty much run the darn ball on anybody you want to. Yep. And, and, and of the teams that I talked about that I'm worried, worried about, you know, the team I'm worried about in the run game the most is the 49ers. The 49ers yeah. got some yeah. – they, they, they got yeah. some grown mm -hmm. – they got some grown men yes. and some grown dogs yeah. on, that, on that defensive line. Yes, so sir. that's going to be a great matchup yeah. to see yeah. – in the trenches, how that plays out. Yeah. By the way, I, I don't know if Vita Vea played a lot tonight. He had three tackles, but I didn't really see much of him on the field, which really helped the Eagles the way they were gashing them. Uh, in any event, that was Kayla's Diamond Debate. Coming up, John McMullen will join us live from Tampa Bay with his spin as he covered the game down there tonight. The Eagles win it 25-11. to The Pondland Hockey Eagles postgame show continues right here from Ocean Casino. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.
score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to the Eagles postgame show, Ponla Hockey Eagles postgame show, live from Ocean Casino. We go to the man who covered the game for Jacob Media, live in Tampa Bay. The great John McMullen joins us. John, 25-11, to 11, dominant running the football, defensively dominant, overlook what they did in the red zone another victory how'd you see it Jalen Hurts said it last week about the standard you know would you rather win or lose and be unfulfilled living up to that standard which is basically perfection and nobody can reach so this team wins Mike 20 and 1 in the last 21 regular season starts with Jalen Hurts that's pretty impressive. Um, and 10 in a row on the road, which is even more impressive to me, because it's not—it's typically not easy to win on the road in the NFL. And Jalen, for those who don't know, was playing through blue-like symptoms tonight. And he could tell in his post-game press conference, if you guys caught any of it, uh, he, he was showing the effects of it, uh, clearly battling through some things. So. I know people aren't going to be happy with the two interceptions, the passer rating, um, but man, they dominated this football game. And it really, 25 to 11, uh, 11 doesn't indicate how much the Eagles dominated this game. Hey, hey John, uh, this, despite the two interceptions, I thought Jalen did a much better job of, of, of recognizing the pocket and utilizing the pocket to his advantage compared to the first two games. Would you agree? Yes, you know, when he extended things and, and got the touchdown to Mohamed Zacchaeus, typically when we're talking about Jalen Hurts extending plays, it's outside the pocket. Outside the pocket, he kind of manipulated the pocket on, on that one, and that's really important because if you can do that, you keep your eyes down the field, you can get those big shots, and that's exactly what happened. So, I, th- I think you saw the first signs of 
the old Jalen Hurts, if you want to call it that, from last season, about extending those plays, making things difficult on the defense. And you know, D-Gun, those are backbreakers for yep. defense. When you do everything right and you hit the quarterback that hard and you turn around and it's a 24-yard gain or mm-hmm. a 34-yard touchdown, that's, that's demoralized. And those are the kind of plays that that made Jalen Hurts the runner-up to the MVP class. John, you know, um, Mike asked me the question earlier. You know, the, the offense was really in sync on both sides. They ran the ball um, 40 times. They passed the ball 37 times. And the question was, you know, why didn't Tampa Bay take some of what New England and Minnesota did, you know, and implement that into – you know, their game plan to be able to stop um, Jalen Hurts in this offense because I felt like, you know, from the word go, the passing game kind of got on on schedule. You know, the two interceptions were kind of, you know, downers. I think, you know, sometimes, you know, they really try to force the ball down the field. But it seemed like, you know, Jalen was certainly seeing the field a lot better today than he had been, you know, in line with, you know, what everybody has been saying. Yeah, well, I thought they were up against it. You know, their best corner, uh, Carlton, Carlton Davis, missed the game. Jamal Dean was banged up, finally left the game late. Uh, so they were a little banged up in the secondary. I think that affected things. Vita Vea was questionable coming in. He played, but he didn't play as much as he as he normally would. Um, so they, were, they came in a little bit shorthanded on the defensive side of the ball. Well, you know, Nick just, I just got done from talking with him. He called Todd Bowles the best defensive coordinator, defensive mind. Obviously, he's the head coach now uh, in the NFL, the best. Now, I don't know if you want to agree with that or not, uh, but he threw some things at the Eagles. They just handled it very well. I was most impressed with the offensive line and the defensive line. That's where they won this game up front. And it makes sense because that's where they built. That's where Howie Roseman pours all the assets in. They are dominating people on both sides of the football up front. And that creates the havoc. I think early from the other side, if you think about it that way, Baker Mayfield had some things going early, you know, trying to figure out where Josh Joe was, getting the ball to Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. And all of a sudden, they got away from it. Because Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis were all over him, and he just didn't feel comfortable, um, and and they sort of made up for that. So I think, I thought I think that offensive line and that defensive front, you know, made up for a lot of the other sins today for the Philadelphia Eagles. Quick one, John. So, um, you talked about the offensive line, and from my perspective. You know, I saw something that really excited me tonight. So Tampa Bay lined up in something. You know, you could see them kind of moving. They were trying to disguise it. Um, They came with the blitz. And the guy that was lined up over Lane Johnson wound up going down inside. You know, um, 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 Juergens, Cam Juergens picked him up. And Lane turns out and picks up a defensive back coming off the corner. Now, that's when you know that you know and you understand what they're trying to do. When you pick, you start picking up stuff like that because normally the back is responsible for that guy, but Lane turns and picks up 
of defensive back off the edge. That tells me that they dialed in some things over the last, you know, nine to ten days protection-wise. Yeah, this group, uh, you know, I keep waiting for Kelsey to get a little bit older and say he's not the same, and I keep waiting to say that about Lane. And I said, you know, well, Cam, Cam Jurgens probably isn't going to be as good as as Isaac was last season. But, man, I, I, it's early, but I think this group is even better. They're playing at a higher level. Landon Dickerson, if you saw that pull block where he hurt himself, and I mm-hmm. joked, and by the way, Landon's fine. I saw him in the locker room. He hurt himself because he hit the guy so hard, pancaked him so hard. <laughs> I, I mean, this group is just dominating. And, you know, I heard people last week, well, they can't pick up, they're not picking up the blitz. That was the backs. That was, uh, the backs had a really difficult time. And and maybe that's the adjustment you're talking about, Seth. They're, they're trying to pick up for that aspect of it. But this group, and Nick Sirianni mentioned it again last week, the luxury he had as a first-time head coach. Typically, if you're a rookie head coach, you don't have an offensive line. Mm-hmm. You don't have a defensive line. He came in with a top five offensive line and a top five defensive line. And he deserves credit because he may have improved it to number one on both sides. But that is a luxury most first-time head coaches don't get. And I can't throw out enough superlatives for both of these lines. Jalen Carter again. That was the most violent knockout punch <laughs> since Mike Tyson, that force bump. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect punch. And Jordan Davis on that safety, mm-hmm. I mean, he imploded the entire interior of the, of the Tampa Bay offensive line. And this is a rookie and a second-year player. I, it, it's amazing. The rest of the NFL keeps saying, oh, I don't want this guy. Let's let the Eagles get this guy. And they're worried about B. John Robinson or skill position players. Not that they're not great players, because they are. But if you don't have the foundation, who cares? You saw it with Justin Jefferson. He had 145 again on Sunday. They're 0-3. Who cares? Yeah, and John, I want to go back to that offensive line real quick. Another game where DeAndre Swift had a 100-plus rushing yard contest. This O-line right now you could say is one of the best in the NFL. Do the Eagles stick with Swift right now? Is he their main back? Do we see Gamewell a little bit more? Are they worried about his durability? Where do you think they're at with Swift? Do they keep riding on him considering right now he looks very, very good and probably the perfect running back to be a part of this offense at the moment? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely earned his spot as the lead back. But, you know, you do want uh, DeAndre, you know, has never had a history of of having major carries. So, you know, I was talking to some people in the press box and they're saying, why don't you keep giving it to DeAndre? Well, you know, he had it 28 times against Minnesota. You start giving it to him 28 times again. You know, that's going to pile up pretty quickly. He's never had more than 600 yards rushing. At this rate, he's going to beat that by week five uh, with this offensive line. So he's definitely the lead back on this team. He's earned that spot. But like every team in the NFL, 
uh, he's going to have a compliment, and that compliment's going to be Kenny Gainwell. And you saw today it was 16. But remember, the game over, and they sort of ran out the end because they wanted to save some of that wear and tear. And then Kenny could come in and finish things off. So I think now you see what it's going to be. And DeAndre's certainly the lead back, but Kenny's going to play, and he's going to play in some key situations. And if he gets hot on a particular week, maybe he gets more touches. But DeAndre has earned his spot. I, I think it's safe to say that. John, uh, back to the defensive line a little bit. They're, they're not getting the outside rush as yet. And there are two ways you can look at that. You go, well, you know, they're not getting the outside rush, but the, uh, the, 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 it doesn't really matter because the push they're getting inside is, has been just as disruptive. But will that catch up with them? Do, do they need more of Sweat and Reddick to come up big? I, I don't think so. Well, Sweat was great in week Last two. Week, yeah. I mean, but that was, you know, remember he was facing a backup uh, left tackle. Uh, and he took advantage of it. This week, he was playing Tristan Wirfs, who's an all-pro. Um, so, you know, it's tougher, uh, naturally so. And that's the one good, really, offensive lineman Tampa Bay has. Last week, Hassan Reddick went up against Brian O'Neill, who was the only really good offensive lineman Minnesota had in that game. They also have Darisol, but didn't have him in that game. So... You know, sometimes you just say, all right, well, the other team has a really good player. And that explains why maybe Josh Sweat isn't getting the same production against Tristan Wirfs as he did against Ole Uda. It makes sense. Um, and when you have that interior rush, but the good news about Hassan Reddick, the sack numbers aren't there, but the pressure numbers are. So... You know, if you look at next-gen stats or all that stuff, he's still top five. He's still getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and all the Eagles are, Josh Sweat. And that's the thing. To me, the sacks will come. They will come when they have, you know, quarterbacks who aren't trying to get rid of the football in 2.2 seconds and holding on to it. Remember last year was Carson Wentz down in Washington with that big sack game because he would hold on to the football. That's what you need to get those big sack numbers. As long as you're getting the pressure numbers and affecting the quarterback, like anybody who thinks they didn't affect Baker Mayfield today, I don't know what you were watching because that guy was not comfortable. Hey, John, we understand the game well, and of course, Swift are going to be the one-two punch in the running back scenario, but... You know, when you're running the ball with authority like this, you want to keep everybody as fresh as possible. And for the life of me, here we are again. What is it with this Penny thing that they don't like about Rashad Penny? Is he hurt? Does he not know the offense? Or basically, are they telling he's basically just an insurance policy in case somebody gets hurt? Because I'm surprised with the authoritative nature in which they're running the football that he can't get he can't get the workable sweat a little bit more. The only time he got in last week was to give Swift a breather. Yeah, and that was only after Boston got the concussion, or he wouldn't have uh, touched it last week as well. Um, yeah, I think he's the fourth back, and it's, you know, he'll play if somebody gets hurt. And if not, uh, it's probably not going to play. Um, and that's how they look at the situation right now. And you can't argue with them. I mean, DeAndre's playing really well. 
Uh, Kenny's got a role in Boston. Uh, certainly has the trust of his coaching staff, uh, and he'll be back uh, when he gets past the protocol. Uh, Rashad Penny is that fourth guy, and you know, knowing the NFL, he's going to get an opportunity at some point, and maybe the depth shows up when that eventually happens. But I don't think he's going to usurp any of the top three, certainly not anytime soon, mm-hmm. other than via injury. Uh, that's just where he is on the depth chart. Mm. John, A.J. Brown had 14 targets tonight. He caught nine of them for 131 yards. Um, Dallas Goddard had seven, seven targets for five. I'm just trying to figure out why when you have a top three, in my opinion, tight end in the National Football League, can't you get him, you know, moving up the field more instead of, you know, screens, tight end screens, you know, in little short five, ten-yard routes. You know, especially, you know, when you get in, you get man coverage, you know, certainly he can beat anybody in man coverage. You know, why, why, why aren't they taking advantage of, you know, how good he really is? Well, I think the passing game hasn't hit right now through the first three weeks. I think we could all agree with that. Uh, So that's part of it. I mean, it hasn't started uh, clicking on all cylinders. And they've run the football so effectively the past two weeks. Um, That's taken some of the shine off the passing game. I do think, you know, AJ, as you mentioned, 14 targets. And then it was Dallas with 50% of that, seven. Um, you know, squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? <laughs> you know, AJ was complaining last week, and, you know, he gets 14 targets. You know, he said, why isn't hey, it expl- hey, John, he, he said that the conversation that he was having with Jalen on the sideline had nothing to do with targets. Yeah. Yeah, when we all believe that, I also believe. <laughs> I also believe Sean Desai when he said James Bradbury wasn't uh, moving to the slot. So I learned my lesson there. Um, yeah, sometimes guys don't tell the truth. Um, but yeah, the passing game has not has not clicked on all cylinders. And today, really, if you think about it, you had the two plays to Alameda. And those were both sort of broken, extended plays, or as we talked about with D. Gunn there, manipulating the pocket. Um, they weren't traditional, you know, route, throw the football out. You know, that was sort of just sandlot football a little bit. And then you had A.J. and not much else. As you mentioned, Dallas 5 for 41, Monte 4 for 28. Um, I thought they would get the passing game going tonight, but I also didn't know Jalen was going to have the flu. Terrell Edmonds had it during the week. A couple other guys as well. So maybe it was just that. He wasn't feeling well, um, and he gutted his way through it. You know, at some point, though, we're going to ask, and probably when the first loss comes, if they don't get this passing game fixed, it's going to be a bigger story, but it's hard to complain too much when they're three and zero, and every and twenty and one. Every time this guy steps on the field, they win. <laughs> yeah, but, the Super Bowl. 
But, but you know we got to debate it, John. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, it's, it's like, you know, you talk about Sandlot play. Um, sometimes do you get the sense, because I do, that a lot of what they do is more Sandlot than really planned? Because, you know, you hear other offensive coordinators, you know, and real big offensive minds talk about creating routes that beat certain coverages, that pre-snap the quarterback figures out that they're in cover four or cover three or cover two or whatever they're in, and they've got routes that they check to and get to. Um, it seems to me sometimes that they just beat they just beat people with pure talent rather than route design and, and coverage beater. Uh, no, I'm with you there, Seth. And and there's two things I look at to that. The blitz stuff where they, they default to, you know, too many uh, smoke screens, uh, bubble screens, whatever you want to call them, um, instead of, you know, side adjustments and hot routes. And then in the red zone, like this team barely uses motion. You see some of these other teams that are using motion, confusing mm-hmm. people. Um, they don't do that. And, you know, their argument is we don't have to do that. Why don't they have to do it? Because they out-talent people. And, and Shane Steichen told me that. When, when, you know, we would ask Shane about why don't you use any gimmick plays? And why, don't, why do I need a gimmick play? We're just going to beat them. That's kind of how they feel right now. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, I'd like to see more. But we've been talking about motion since Nick got here. Mm-hmm. They just don't use motion. Um, I don't think he likes it to begin with. And I think because they have so much talent, they don't need it. Um, and and then the blitz pickups, the blitz beaters. Yeah, they got to get they got to get away from that from that screen stuff because it's it's not working. Um, and they got a they got a good a more evolved uh, blitz beater sort of package. John, this team right now, the only squad in the division that was able to win this week. They're the third team in the NFL that's three and zero. When you look at the NFC East, is there anybody that you worry about right now? They're going to play the Commanders. Do you worry about that game? Are the Cowboys kind of there with the Eagles, or is talent above all at the moment as we're going to be entering Week Four? Well, I think the Cowboys are really talented, and I know people are going to say, oh, they stink, they lost to the Cardinals because everybody hates Jonathan Gannon here. Cardinals have played with everybody. They've played everybody top. Um, it's the NFL. Seth can tell you everybody's got good players. If, if you come into a game and you don't bring your A game, anybody can jump up and beat you. Um, it doesn't mean to me that Dallas is not a good team. I think they're a very good team. But that Trayvon Diggs injury is really going to affect them and really hurt them. I think it affected them in that game, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, Just from a a mental standpoint, when you lose a playmaker like that. Um, So this league's about attrition. You know, maybe the Eagles suffer some injuries that people aren't going to want to see, and that'll change the outlook for them. But I think it's pretty clear that this is a really good team. It's just a matter of how good and how they, how they can get back to where they were last season, um, especially offensively. Uh, defensively, I think they have to, they're going to ride their form. They're not as good on the back seven as they were last year. 
They're not going to be as good. Um, but the front is even better, which is surprising to me. Um, and that's because of, of the presence of Jalen Carter as a rookie and the evolution as a second-year player. Jordan Davis is a different guy. He is dominant. Mm-hmm. And I think he gets looked because Jalen's dominant. Jalen Carter. Uh, they've both been phenomenal. And then you have all the other guys, Sweat and Reddick and Brandon and on and on and on. We don't even talk about Milt Williams. Milt's a really good player. Marlon Tui is a really good player. He made a big play. They're ridiculously deep on the defensive front. John, uh, a quick thing before we get to break here. Uh, we're, we're talking about what they're – obviously, they're – they're a team that's so reliable that you can't see them slipping against a bad team. And so here, here's what's up next. Washington, the Rams, and the Jets. So by the time they get to what we think is going to be a real challenge for them, Miami, this is a 6-0 football team. You agree? Yeah, and I didn't think they'd get to 6-0. I thought there would be a hiccup, but now I can't see it. Um, certainly the Jets would have been tougher, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers. Now it looks as easy as any game. Um, Washington, we talked about that 20 and one. The one is Washington, um, ironically. Um, and they have a great defensive front. It's even better because Chase Young looks healthy finally, and he's playing pretty well. But you saw Sam Howell's a young quarterback. He's gonna have those ups and downs. He had a really big down this week. I can't imagine them losing to a young quarterback with that defensive front I just talked about. Um, and the Rams are just not a good team right now. You see what's going on the other Monday night game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Eagles-Miami. That's, That's the monster game coming up. we got to wait four yeah, weeks for that. John McMullen, thank you so much. John McMullen live from Tampa Bay where the Eagles win 25-11. to 11. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. All right, John, of course, brought to us by Rafferty Subaru, friends of the postgame show. If you're in the market for a Subaru, please consider Rafferty Subaru, family-owned since 1977. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. I was about to sing that. So, but, but let's take it because that's a great jingle when you think about it. We're, we're coming back with our two-minute drill. Mark Farzetta will rejoin us right here on the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino back after the Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. The perfect pair. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, welcome back to the uh, Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Mike Missinelli with Derek Gunn, Seth Joyner, and Mark Farzetta rejoining us. Let's do a little two-minute drill here. Um, and the two-minute drill, a quick question is for the fellas. Uh, and, and what their responses could be. So I'll start with a, a broad general question. We, we looked at the 49ers. We looked at the Cowboys. We had the Eagles early on as the best team in the NFC. Have they reclaimed that title as the best team in the NFC after tonight's dominant game? Uh, Derek? I, I still think they are the best team in the NFC that has not basically reached its potential, its overall potential yet. Um, they're, they're playing better. The extended time off really helped them iron out a few things. Uh, the young players in the trenches are really uh, evolving. Um, when I look at Dallas and San Francisco, Dallas obviously had a setback. San Francisco is that team with Brock Purdy or whatever it is about this kid. He just makes that whole engine work. But in terms of Matching man for man, personnel for personnel right now, I still have to say the Eagles have the edge of being the best team in the NFC. Seth, you feeling the same way? Well, think about this. <clears throat> the San Francisco 49ers have beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Los Angeles Rams, and the New York Giants. And the Rams game early looked competitive, as did the New York Giants game look competitive. So in a lot of ways... Um, the 49ers, like I said about the Cowboys last week, haven't really played anybody. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see what they'll look like when they play the Cowboys. Hopefully the Cowboys will be full strength, at full strength. Um, they've got Cincinnati on the schedule. Um, and then they don't really play anybody again until we play them. Um, 
you know. So it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how this whole thing shakes out. You know, and, and I think all season long, the Eagles and the 49ers are going to be looking at each other from week to week to see who wins and who loses, you know, in order to figure out who's going to wind up, you know, with home field advantage throughout the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, but I think this win by the Eagles tonight definitely vaults them back up, you know, as the top team in, in, in the NFC um, because, you know, they've struggled and won two games, you know, with their C game, if you will. Tonight, you know, I, I would say an A game on, on the part of the defense and probably a B-plus game or a B game on the, on the, on the offensive side. Um, if they can get to the point where both teams are clicking, both A games, I, I believe that they're the best team in the National Football League. All right. Question uh, number two. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Monster game again tonight. And he had 16 carries, which is kind of judicious. There's this really interesting stat that our Bill Colarudo came up with where he looked at his, his uh, career statistics, and when he carries the ball 15 times or more, he invariably misses games because of injury, mm -hmm. meaning he gets worn down and he's one of those type of backs that you can't overuse. So what do they do at this point? Farsi? Hmm. D-Gun? I think they keep riding him. I mean, if they're going to talk about how this is going to be, in the beginning of the season, a running back by committee, and they're going to ride the hot hand, right now he's the hot hand. If he gets hurt or he starts to have a different production, they're going to go to Kenny Gainwell, a guy that, as Seth, you pointed out earlier in the show, is a guy they're almost essentially rooting for to win that RB1 uh, job. So I think that's the way that shakes out. But as of right now, if he's the hot hand, you got to keep feeding him because yeah. the team's having great success with him. Yeah, but again... The worn, the worn down factor, D-Gun. you got to take that in consideration, right? Yeah, there, there's no way you can run this young man 28 times a game. He's not built like that, and his past history has shown that. There's a reason why when you look at the amount of yards that he's had in the season, I think his best season ever was like a little above 600-something yards. There's a reason why. He's more susceptible in the injuries the more, time you, the more times you utilize him. Right now, he's running like a fresh colt, but – you keep doing that over seven or eight games, you might see a negative effect, and I don't want to see that. If you can keep him right around 15, 18 touches, that's perfect for him. And get him like four or five touches in a passing game as well. Get him out in open space and let him do his stuff. You see how he wiggles through the offensive line. Imagine when you get him on a wheel route or throw him a screen out in open space and let him work in that regard. Don't overutilize this guy. You're going to need him in November December when it comes down to some crunch time games. I don't want to see him sitting on the shelf then because that's been part of his history. We did see Kenny Gainwell a little bit more in the end towards the end of the game. They looked like they were trying to give him a little bit of a break at that point. Well, because he 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 reached see this the Eagles ceiling in my opinion has always been and I and you can go back and you can research it. Their ceiling for running backs and touches have always been right around 15, 16 carries. Mm -hmm. He got 28 last week out of necessity because if they don't give it to him 28 times last week, they probably don't win that football game, okay? So then they reel it all the way back in. I will say this. DeAndre Swift was drafted in the second round in 2020, okay? So young players in a lot of way, ways have to get to a point where they get their pro body about themselves and they understand what it is to be a pro. Okay, so after three years, the Detroit Lions pretty much says, we're done with you. You know, you're on the down, the down tilt. You don't run the ball like Deuce Staley, our, 
running backs coach and assistant head coach like the way he likes you to run the ball. So if you don't think that he went into this offseason motivated, once he got once he got traded, you know, to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm not worried about when I look at him, you know, they list him at 215 pounds. He's not that tall. But when you watch him play, he doesn't take a lot of direct hits. He's very shifty, you know, and I think he's probably in the best shape that he's been in since he entered the National Football League. And I think that he understood that in order for me to have longevity, I've got to change the way that I train. I've got to get myself in shape for the long haul. And I don't see him faltering from a health standpoint the way he has before, okay? Just because a guy gets hurt isn't necessarily an indication of what his future is going to be. I understand, you know, that statistically and analytically, that's kind of what it says, that, you know, if he's hurt two, three years, the probability of him getting hurt in year four is very high. But it's not a given. It's not a, it's, 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 it is not a fact that he's going to get hurt again just because he's had over 16 carries. He had 28 last week, 16 this week. Let's, let's see how this, this continues to shake out. And I don't think you can play. This offense can't afford to play in protective mode when it comes to, you know, his touches because he is an important part of what makes this offense go. They've been able to get away from the RPO action and get to a more traditional offense for Jalen Hurts because that's what they figured, that's what the first two weeks was about. Take away his ability to run the ball and eliminate the P and the R in the RPO and make him have to operate with the football. Well, now they're running a more traditional offense where Jalen just turned around and handed the ball off. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about and, that. And, and, and he's operating from the pocket. You're right. They were depleted a little bit on RPOs tonight, and I didn't know that Jalen was flu-ridden. Could that have influenced that as well, that they went away from the RPOs tonight? Well, they went away from it last week. They It started last week, you know. So at the beginning of the year, you remember we talked about it, you know, and I talked about it in my, in my pregame show, that – I want to see Jalen Hurts elevate and move away from so much RPO and so much read option so that they can protect him health-wise, okay? And if he could operate from the pocket and he could be efficient from the pocket, that didn't necessarily mean that you would have to get completely away from the RPO and the read option, but they could be, you know, add-ons to your offense more than the mainstay of your offense. Now you could keep defenses honest by every once in a while running the quarterback sweep or like he did today, tonight. Or running the RPO where he pulls it and throw, hits the slant or the slant or, or, or the quick in route. You know? But now you don't have to live in that. You don't have to live in that type of offense. And what you've seen the last two weeks is that, they, guess what? They can operate that way. You know, now the next iteration is I want to see Jalen Hurts under center a little more. You know, so now that you can begin to run, you know, some some 12 personnel with two tight ends. Now you can the, the bootleg and, and all of those things come into focus. You, then you give defense coordinators another added piece, you know, to have to worry about. Uh, let's let's move on now with the. Let's extend the play a little bit with Mark Farzad. Now, Mark, I know uh, we, we are involved with a great charity uh, here uh, with Jacob Media and uh, the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. 
What, uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. EBOD, they do a fantastic job, and we were lucky enough to go to their kickoff party at Huntington Valley Country Club and all the great things that they're doing to combat, uh, uh, obviously, amnesia and dementia. And we've been talking about this now. This is our second week hyping it up, so people need to text the words SCORE. Text the word SCORE for the big game sweepstakes. Text SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835. Here are the promo codes. Team Miss, if you like Team Missinelli. Team Seth, if you like Team Seth, of course. If you want to win. If you want to win, <laughs> allegedly. And uh, Team Gun, for Derek Gunn or Team Farzy, we have our own teams getting together for a little top golf action. The winning team, of course, will help uh, get somebody to the big game for these big game sweepstakes. And it's all with the great people at EBOD Foundation and the wonderful things that they do. Right, t- team Seth is the team you want to get on the way. I played golf with him last week. He was lights out. <laughs> he really was. Well, Killer with the hybrid, you were telling me. Yeah, he. I mean, he had a shot that I'm going to be talking about for years <laughs> at the golf course. <laughs> Tell all the members. You know, I've told all the members. He launched a, a three hybrid over trees and cut it and put it on the green on a par five from like how, how far are you like 250 away jeez <laughs> that's what I do man. <laughs> jeez jeez it's what I do <laughs> he's so humble I, I love you asked, I love that you asked him where was it and humbly he says it's on the green you know well you know it's really funny because we <laughs> uh, we hooked Three of us in the foursome hooks it, hook it to the left, and their members are coming down the other hole. So I introduce him as this big Seth Joyner. All de- delighted to meet him. And Seth goes, and he goes, what happened? He goes, you missed your target? They got to Seth. He goes, no, I like being here. This is a good spot for me. <laughs> a good spot for me. Hey, it was a good angle, man. <laughs> All right. In any event, oh, 25 to 11. Jalen Hurts today, 23 for 37, 277. So, uh, Deacon, what do you think about the, them going away from the RPO and going to a more conventional offense at this particular time? Well, um, considering we've seen it two weeks in a row, uh, I think it's, it's, it's less wear and tear on Jalen's body. He doesn't have to take those unnecessary shots. And the fact that uh, they can just, he can just turn and hand the ball off and your running backs are getting 6, 7, 10, 12, 15 yards, it's imposing your will on the opposition. You don't have to be it use as much trickery up and down the offensive line. Um, I like the fact because going into the season, the one thing we kept talking about is we want to see Jalen taste less physical abuse. We want to see him run the ball less. We want to see him going down the line less and running that RPO and taking shots from the ends of the tackles or linebacker trying to square up on him. I like the fact that they've identified this and said basically stop us if you can in the last two, two opponents. Couldn't come close to stopping them in that, in that form of running. All right, so we're all good with that. Right? We're all good with it. Yeah, but you know what? I love the, the RPO. The, the, pundits, <laughs> the pundits around the city, you know, because, you know, I, I listen to – talk radio you know during the week and everybody last week was like oh you know Jalen Hurts has got to come out and show me that he can throw the ball for 300 yards and I'm like the 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 object here is to win the football game however you got to do it and I give this coaching staff a lot of credit because for them to admit that we need to move away from the RPO and the read option and go to a more traditional offense okay and last week it started that hey you know we're not getting it done with the run game Let's, let's run the ball, okay? They're willing to do whatever's necessary to win the game. And, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to pay off down, down the road 
because you're going to have all of these different offensive facets at your disposal, okay? You're going to be able to run read option and RPO. You're going to be able to just run your traditional offense. You know, when, when they get to the point where they can implement a little bit of motion and a little bit of 12 personnel like I talked about before and put Jalen under center where you can go play action pass off your running, you know, that's going to open up another facet of what they do. Then you, you got – there's so much for a defense coordinator to prepare for, and you can pull it out of your arsenal anytime you want and call it. And you've got five or six run plays off of it, five, four or five pass plays off of it, off of each component, you know. And then when you get into – like I was talking to John earlier, when you get into the real strategy of where, you know, you've got pass plays that are, that are created and, and – and, and diagram to defeat coverages. And your quarterback can identify those coverages pre-snap and make the checks at the line of scrimmage and be able to dominate these different coverages with those, those crafted passing plays. Now this, this, this offense becomes unstoppable just like the defense is almost in, unstoppable. Now you now you got some. Now you really cooking with yeah, gas. Yeah, they got Goddard involved Not a little bit tonight. propane with gas. Okay. Yeah, um, I'd rather cook with propane, but. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seven targets for Goddard tonight. The only thing that was missing tonight for me is, you know, the way I think it, Devontae Smith only had five targets. I was waiting for Devontae to yell at Jalen Hurts on never the sideline. Yeah. That'll never happen. Just, never happen. Just to no. even it up. The no. squeaky <laughs> wheel gets the grease, my friend. <clears throat> yeah. That's the way it should work. Yeah. But, no, no, it shouldn't. Look, they're, they're going to get – he's going to get plenty of targets. He's had a fine season at this point as it is. They're going to be fine with spreading that out. And I think they will at one point introduce – the RPO back to it. Now, I thought last year when we talked about it at length, we were talking about how after every game you almost heard it from Nick Sirianni and then during the week you hear from Shane Steichen about how every time they ran the RPO, it would just automatically transition to a run. That right, oh, Some right. of our run plays are in the run-pass option. Well, Seth, like you say, take away that aspect of it. Take away the option because he is running too much. You do have to use, to use the phrase that Nick Sirianni used. You have to go back to embracing the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts' game. And I feel like the RPO does that very well. When it becomes too much, then it becomes a problem. And I thought last year they definitely aired on that side way too often. This year, I wouldn't mind seeing it incorporated back. Mike, as you pointed out, it does work, and it works really well when they run it. So why would I not embrace that aspect of Jalen Hurts' game? You know what they're doing right now? You know. Um, Baby in him? You know. Um, Coddling? Devontae Smith, you know, kind of was – was rocking the baby a couple of weeks ago. They're rocking the NFL to sleep right now because the NFL thinks that they're moving away from that RPO. And when they think that they're not, that they're not running it again, that's when you run it. That's when you catch them off balance. See, that, to me, that's good offensive you know, play call and a great offensive coordination is that you have all of these weapons at your disposal. So you don't know, you don't know whether I'm gonna pull an arrow and shoot you, or whether I'm gonna jig, you know, jig you with a jag, a, a dagger, or whether I'm gonna pull a gun and shoot very you. Violent. you. Yeah, yeah. But football's <laughs> a violent very, game. Very violent. All images. those options are here. I very violent images. Hey, hey, can we can we agree on one thing? We were fine with Brian Johnson's play calling tonight. Absolutely. The first two games, and coming into this game, people had a lot of question marks. I thought he called a much better game tonight. I agree. I agree. The fourth and one was still garbage. But <laughs> you had to bring else that up, was fantastic. You well, just, I just for the record, did the, that was the one play that I had a big issue with from uh, Brian Johnson tonight. But this is an interesting thing as well. Seth, you bring up the point about the RPO. Maybe that's one thing Brian Johnson's trying to adapt as well. I can't use this one thing yet. Maybe we're going to be saving that for later in the season, so he's got to call plays around it. Well, the beauty is, is that you know you can have your – 
your base offense, the, the way that they're running the football now, you can actually line up in that where Jalen's turning to hand the ball off, but you can still implement your RPO off of that, okay? So that's why I say there's a whole lot of, you know, rocking the NFL to sleep, you know, because the, the, the adjustment in week one and two was to take the RPO away. So the adjustment for the Eagles have been, okay, we're going to run the ball down your throat in our traditional set, okay? And that traditional set in a lot of ways can look exactly like our RPO stuff. So now that we're getting what we want in the run game, that's down the road is going to open the door for them to be able to get what they want in the RPO game. Once you get those linebackers stepping up, once you get you know the look that you want, you can still get the RPO off of that. Uh, let me throw a couple bouquets to our favorite return man, Britton Covey, who uh, had three punt returns for 81 tonight and wow. 52 long. And, and here's the beauty of this whole thing because – they put him back to return a kick later after Devin Allen looked a little shaky. You know, Devin Allen, to his, you know, for a good excuse, no starting blocks. And I don't think he's run a 110-meter hurdle where people were coming at him from, from the other side. But they, they, they went to Covey on the kickoff return late. Devin Allen got the hook. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> no, no, unfazed. They're unfazed by that whole thing. The shaky. No, you used the right word. I thought he was shaky. He did look shaky. He was when shaky. He came they, out of the, the end return, zone. he looked a little skinny. Yeah, they gave him an opportunity, and yep. he thought there was a little too much meat left on that bone for him. He got a little yeah, nervous there. Got a little nervous. But when you look at the other way, they were able to turn the football. They 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 just dominated that one category without him. Yeah. Look, he's, he was, he's not a true football guy. Not yet. Okay? Oh no, the hurdles uh, can tackle uh, me. Yeah. You know, okay, but but maybe maybe he got caught up in the bright lights of Monday Night Football for a moment. But he didn't fumble the football. Did he fumble? He didn't fumble. He was a little hesitant. No, he but they, they, listen, they hooked him. I didn't. I know. They I know. put, they put, they put the Covey shot. At least one more shot. Come on. Yeah, I, hey, listen, I agree. Huh? They gave him the hook. They, they put him back there because he run a four don't know. Oh. They didn't put him back there to be tippy-toeing like he's scared. He gonna, like he's scared they, he's scared he going to hurt the turf. Maybe maybe he's <laughs> done all the studies about why they've lessened the impact of kickoff return slash kickoff cup. Maybe, yeah, hey, but you know, it's the back of his mind. But the kickoff return that he had in the preseason, he just like, well, 73 you know. yards. Well, but I'm off. just saying. Yeah. And, and when they put him back there, the expectation is that, you know, you're going to hit the hole the right, way you – Right, But he didn't do that. You know, and, and you, to, to your point about Brit, Britton Covey, Darn near 27 yards per punt return. Now, I know he had the long of 52, right. but that kind of average will get him to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, well, listen, he arrived. <laughs> the breakout he arrived game. The breakout game. I, I like he ran with authority. Tonight. He yeah, he was whole. He was he running. Accelerated. Yeah. No doubt about it. He, no. he was it's the best he, I've seen him. He, right. he was running with confidence. Let's get some game balls in here. It's game ball time, Ooh. and uh, this seems to be a very easy choice tonight, so uh, I'll go first. and. I'm taking my man DeAndre Swift with another monster night for the kids. 16 carries for 130. Uh, that's okay in my book. Along a long of 29. Uh, you guys have anybody else that uh, you would consider? Man, uh, considering we didn't know what to expect from DeAndre Swift when the Eagles brought him in, and especially after that first game, um, he is the first Eagles running back to have back-to-back 130-plus yard rushing outings since Shady back in 2014. I've got to give it to DeAndre Swift. You know, I gave it to him last week because he had such a monster game last week. You know, 170-plus yards, that's just huge. But 
to do it back to back weeks, yes. you know, I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give some love to the offensive line. I'm giving my game ball to the offensive line okay. this week. Okay. All right, let's cover every aspect. I'm going to go with Jalen Carter and those defensive tackles because I have no doubt in my mind that every single time Baker Mayfield dropped back, he was wondering when the pressure was going to be in his face and how quick it was going to be there, and that's what he delivered tonight. That's what that entire defensive line delivered tonight. They had uh, Baker Mayfield shaking his boots, and it, it should not it, it, it can continue to be made the point that they did not turn the football over this season until they played the Eagles. I like it. All right, so that's a good variety for game balls tonight. Uh, okay, so, uh, of course, the game balls are brought to us by Colony Pools. Uh, let Colony Pools close your pool. Go to flywithcolony.com and get your Eagle Green pool cover. How cool would that be, get the Eagle Green pool cover from Colony Pools? And is it'll, it be, Kelly it'll look Green? like a football field. Is it Kelly Green or Midnight Green? Uh, that's a good yes. question. <laughs> we, need, we need to find that out. It's both? Both? Okay. They have options. Wow. Seriously? We're talking to our producer, Joe, here. It's, but you can get – you have a choice? Well, look at that. Which, what would you cho- – oh, you're going to choose Kelly, of course. Oh, man. Really? Right? <laughs> How about you? The Midnight. You going Midnight? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, going yeah. Kelly Green. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going Midnight. You know, I, midnight? Love, I love the Midnight, yeah. Go Midnight. Yeah. Let's take a break. It's the uh, Eagles postgame. Dr. Bruce will be here. We've got to talk about a couple injuries uh, in a little bit. So, Dr. Bruce, stay in there. It's the uh, Pine Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live from Ocean Casino. Back after this. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. 
Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino, brought to us by Pond Hockey and also by Colony Pools. We have Bill Colorado joining us now, and Bill's going to break the tie because uh, you can either get an Eagle Green, uh, Kelly Green pool cover or a Midnight Green pool cover from Colony Pools. Fly with Colony.com and get that pool cover. Bill, you, Midnight or uh, Kelly? This year, you got to go with the Kelly Green. We're bringing him back. You go with Kelly Green. All right, he's going Kelly Green. So Kelly Green. Kelly Green wins it. Th- Three, three to two. Uh, the Eagles win today, twenty-five to eleven. Uh, DeAndre Swift, sixteen for one thirty. The offensive and defensive lines dominated. Time of possession dominated by the Eagles. They're three and zero. Oh. And frankly, I, I mean, I don't see a loss in sight for the next several games. So let's kick this around a little bit, boys. Uh, tonight, the Eagles ran the football down their throat. The offensive line loves that style. The offensive linemen just love straight-ahead blocking. Kelsey gets out in space, looks for a linebacker to take his head off. It's a beautiful thing to see that kind of football, isn't it? When you run with that type of authority and you're mowing people out of the way, that is demoralizing to anybody standing in their way. Um, And no matter what type of adjustments they try to make, they cannot stop it. And that's why when you saw those Tampa Bay players, they were sucking wind by early in the fourth quarter, man. They were dog-tired. I mean, this Eagles offense ran 78 plays. And you think about how many of them were running plays. They control the clock for over 38 minutes. That's about as demoralizing as it gets. So not only have you beat them up physically, you've also destroyed them mentally as well. Yeah, and the quarterback apparently had the flu tonight, which we didn't know, no, uh, but it was no. revealed after by no. uh, our, our own John McMullen. So uh, uh, Seth, you know, it, the rating was low. He got picked twice. But he, he, he did get A.J. Brown involved. I mean, 14 targets for A.J. tonight with nine catches. Well, I, I would love to have seen them, you know, spread the ball around a little more. But, you know, it, it worked tonight. You know, the, the passing game got going. Um, you know, he threw for 277 yards, I think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, only one sack tonight. He was averaging, you know, three and a half sacks a game over the first two games. Um the only, you know, the only hiccup, you know, was the two interceptions. What are you going to do, you know? So the, you, you're going to get those. You're going to have those. Um, I'm sure he'll look at it. I'm sure he, he feels good about every other aspect of the game with the exception of, you know, the two interceptions. You know, if he could take those back, he'd take those back. But um, you, you got to be happy with, you know, the progress. You know, you got to be happy with – I'm happy with the balance of the offense, and to me, there's no reason why, you know, you would deviate from that unless, you know, the, you play against a team and they take that ability to do that away. Because I think that even against – the most humiliating thing in the world for a defense is have the ball run down their throat with, right. no, with no remedy for it. And they had no remedy for it. And I believe that it opened up the rest of their offense as far as the passing game was concerned by them having the ability to actually run the football. And I know it's I know it's not it's not the sexy thing as far as you know what you know the analytics and what the NFL really wants to see today, 
But if that's the most effective way for you to win football games, you know, to hell with sex. Yeah. But this plays right in what Bill was saying as we were watching the game. Bill, that's the statistic you had on DeAndre Swift. So uh, that statistic indicates that we should worry about overuse for the guy, even though we're delighted the way he's playing football right now because he looks fresh and quick. Yeah, I think they hit the number right on the head tonight, though. I think he had 16 carries. I think that's the perfect amount of carries for him, somewhere between 15 to 18 carries a game. You just don't want to give him 28 carries like you did last week. But if that guy's picking up nine yards a carry, give him the ball 50 times. I mean, that was unbelievable what he was doing tonight. But you want to keep him fresh. I think that's why you saw Gainwell in at the end of the game. It was smart. But this Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, this Tampa Bay Bucks team was good against the run. They were the number two defense against the run coming into this game. And it's just shown even last season, it doesn't matter how good the defense is, this Eagles team can impose their will and run the football against anybody. Well, I mean, that, that's a, a, a different style than, than I'm certainly used to seeing. But if, I'm okay with them going more conventional, by the way. You want to make Jalen Hurts a straight drop-back quarterback and run the football like that and have that kind of balance that's going to win right. against these teams that they're playing. I mean, you look at the NFC and you go, okay, who's, who's at that level that the Eagles are at? Maybe two teams. 49ers? Maybe. 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 Outside of that. Um, when Dallas's offensive line is healthy, they have a good running game, but not to this level. Um, I can't think of another team in the NFC, Seth, that, that can run the ball with this type of authority, impose their will on a defensive front as consistent as this Eagles offensive line can outside of the Niners. Well, maybe. the Niners. Yeah. The, the Niners because, you know, Christian McCaffrey is just a different – He's a yes. different animal. And Debo. And then, and then the yeah. way they incorporate Debo into yeah. the run game, I mean, they'll put him in the backfield, hand it off to yeah. him, run jet sweeps to him, you know, the bubble screens, you know, which is an extension of the run game. You get all of those different things that, you know, that really make them uniquely different. And they're, mm-hmm. and they're creative, you know. They, they're, to me, they're probably the second most creative offense in the National Football League, you know, with the exception of, um, Andy Reid and, and Kansas yeah. City being, you know, the most, you know, creative. You know, this is all fun and games right now. So let's let's just look at the schedule a little closer because we can see the next three look like bops to me to go six and zero oh, until they get to Miami, and then you got Washington, and then this real season starts because you got yeah. Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas right in that cluster right yeah. there. Yeah. So we may have to wait till that cluster to see really how good this team is. Is when people saw the schedule, everyone was like, "Oh, you know, the Eagles have got, I think the the toughest or the second toughest schedule in the National Football League this year, having coming off of you know a Super Bowl loss." But I think the schedule, you know, played out perfectly for the Eagles, and this is why they were going to struggle in the early part of the season. There was no doubt about it because they hadn't played, you know. But they get to struggle against teams that they're better than and they can win with their C game early and they're going to progressively get better. By the time they get to the meat of the schedule, they should, they should be hitting on all cylinders. And at that point, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to win against the Miamis and the, the, the Cowboys and you know, the 49ers and the Chiefs. 
now they 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 play those teams at the proper point in the season so that we can get a gauge of what they're going to look like and try to figure out what they need to improve on so that when we get to the playoffs they know where they need to be because they got a lot of young players that they're going to ask to play and to ask to ask those players to play against that kind of talent early in the year could have been detrimental mm-hmm. you know so it all it's all playing out in my opinion, the way it should be. You got teams that you should beat and teams that you, you, you can win games against early in the season. But you also, you know, in the middle of the season, in the second third of the season, you're going you're gonna to start playing against teams that you're going to have to beat in the playoffs in order to get to where you want to get to. And then it kind of eases up, you know, towards the end of the season where you can start getting healthy and get guys rested, especially, you know, if you've got home field locked up. Bill, uh, you feeling this new style with uh, just run the football? Let's play conventional football. Let's get away from the RPOs. Yeah, I think, look, it sounds cliche to say take what the defense gives you. But if the defense is going to give you six, seven yards a pop when you're running the football, run the ball early to set up the pass late. Seth talked about this as well. It's set up the pass for them tonight. I know the Eagles love to come out, try to put up a lot of points, and then run the football. That was the formula last season. But this year, you got to flip that mindset. Run the ball, make these defenses start to creep down towards the line of scrimmage, and then take your shot over the top. And if that's going to work every week, let's keep piling up the wins. All right, so uh, what kind of injuries did we have tonight? looks like Evans went out early. Sidney Brown uh, went out. Thigh injury. A thigh injury. uh, Evans had the uh, neck injury. So we're going to get Dr. Bruce on uh, in this show to explain. They had a couple guys that, that came back. Uh, tonight. Dr. Bruce is with us right now. All right, so let's get to Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Uh, uh, Doc, a couple guys got back in the, in the lineup tonight, Bradbury and Blankenship. Uh, Bradbury in the slot that really wasn't that effective. Blankenship, I thought, played very well. So tonight, a couple of the guys in the secondary got banged up also. What did you see with Sidney Brown and Evans? Yeah, well, Evans went out with a neck injury, and he'll probably have an MRI tomorrow to see if he has a herniated disc. Sidney Brown played great. Again, uh, as you know, Avante Maddox went out with a, uh, he's out for the season with a pectoralis tear. And Nicole Dean should be back in two weeks. He just had a foot strain. He's been attending charity events without a boot. So that's a good thing. All right, anything else did you see out there? Well, let, uh, d- J- let me ask you this question about uh, Jalen Hurts because we learned after the game he was playing with the flu. Um, you know, when you get a guy ready to play a game with the flu, what do you do? Well, you give him uh, you give him Tylenol and Motrin, and, uh, and you hope he's as tough as Michael Jordan in Game Six. You know, who played with the flu, and I couldn't see there was any detriment from that. And Burch uh, is just a tough guy, so uh, I only learned about that after the game. And John McMullen was very reassuring about Landon Dickerson. He said that he's totally fine. But this is a guy with two ACL tears, so. That's very reassuring as we go into next week against Washington. Well, that, that, you got anything? You guys got anything for Dr. My Bruce? <laughs> well, I mean, he, listen, he covered it. He covered it all. He covered it all, Dr. Bruce. Thanks for hanging it's out with great, us. Great. All right, we appreciate great. it. Great to see you guys. Good to you see you. There he is, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Put the injury report right here on the Palm Hockey Eagles postgame show. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll close it down right after this. 
Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Bondly Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. The Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. We're still hanging out with you. So let's get a little look ahead after the Eagles now go 3-0 and they win 25-11. to So next week, a uh, home game, a 1 o'clock game. Only three 1 o'clock games this whole season. Two of them were with the Washington Commanders, including next week at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, how do they look for the Commanders here, D-Gun? Well, um <clears throat> Waiting, obviously, to hear the reports on the young secondary personnel in terms of how nicked up they are. But everywhere else across the board, they're in really good shape. I mean, when you look at what Buffalo just did to Sam Howell and their Washington offense, I mean, he was sacked nine times. He threw four interceptions. Obviously, they harassed him unmercifully. And I thought Washington would have more of a balance in an Eric Bieniemy offense, especially with the tandem of running backs that they have in Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. That didn't pan out for him. So if I'm the Eagles, I emulate whatever Buffalo did against them. I try to emulate some of that as well. It's staying within the structure of what we've done up to this point. Um, 
I don't think Washington can stay on the field with them, although it is a division game. And don't forget, Washington came in here last year and, and shocked the world and beat them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I smell like a, a nine-point favorite in okay. that game. All right. Okay. Uh, for the Washington Commanders. See, here's the thing. You're going to have to be a really good quarterback to beat the Eagles. And yeah. Sam Howell's not going to be capable to no. come into Lincoln Financial Field and, and beat them. In fact, I, you know, I don't know. It's the, 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 the next few games that, you know, until you get to Tua, is there somebody that is, is capable of beat, beating the Eagles? Yeah. Uh, Seth, you don't expect any, any letdown uh, with the commanders coming in next week, right? No, but it's going to be an offensive challenge just because of the front. You know, when you talk about, you know, those – five first-rounders that they have on that defensive line, you know, they can cause anybody problems at any time. So it, it would not surprise me one bit to see the Eagles, you know, turn to a, more of a passing game next week than so much of a rushing game. Um, I got to look at the statistics, and, you know, I look forward to, you know, next week being able to, you know, chop up and dissect in pregame, you know, what the stats look like from the standpoint of, you know, where Washington ranks against the run and against the pass. Because a lot of times you can kind of take your cues from that offensively. I believe the, the coaches, I think all coaches look at the, the data that says, okay, this is what they do against the run. They're strong against the run. Well, hey, let's focus in on trying to figure out how to dominate that. Now, you would look at Tampa Bay and say, hey, we can make hay against the pass. But, you know, they figured out that they could run the ball and they never wavered or, 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 or stepped away from running the ball tonight. But it, doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit for them to look at the statistics and say, well, hey, we might not be able to run the ball much against Washington and they may not have success early and they just may go to the running game and put the game on Jalen's arm. Bill, seven-point favorite. Just looked it up. Seven, does that give Washington a fighting chance here? Whenever you're talking about a division game, especially an NFC East division game, we saw it last year. Washington should not have beaten the Eagles at the link. But the reason they did? Turnovers. So anything can happen if the Eagles turn the ball over. They have to make sure they protect the ball. They are a better roster up and down. But things can happen. I never count an NFC East game as a win automatic. So the Eagles need to put in the work this week, come out next week, and hopefully have a good game plan and not turn the ball over like they did last year. All right, Washington then at the Rams and then at the Jets are the next three before you get to the big uh, evening game against the Miami Dolphins, which will be a, a, a lot of eyeballs be on that game. Oh, yes. And the way this Miami offense is racking up points now and the creativity, Mike, Mike McDaniel is a heck of a, a play caller, man. I mean, just the creativity in that offense. And they put up 70 points without Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Well, you talk about I movement. Mean, are you serious? That team uses movement and uh, motion oh, like no goodness. team in the NFL anymore. It's like uh, playing checkers on speed, you know, the way they move up and down a field, even more so than a San Francisco team. But, man, they are fun to watch, and I can't wait to see them up close and personal. All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. Eagles win it 25-11. to 11, And uh, on to a conventional 1 o'clock game, division game against the Washington Commanders next week at Lincoln Financial Field. For Derek Gunn, for Seth Joyner, for Bill Calarulo, and for Mark Farzetta and Kayla Santiago, uh, I'm Mike Missanelli. Thanks for staying up with us to watch the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Have a great rest of the night, and we'll talk to you next week. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. 
go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. 